0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. On today's show, we're talking about the rules that some have used to game the system. This story is from one of the most tenant-friendly states in the U.S. It's stories like this that make investors' skin crawl. In one of the worst examples of abuse, a homeowner in Nassau County, New York, out on Long Island, was able to purchase a -a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath home back in October of 1998 for $290,000 with a $58,000 down payment. He made the first mortgage payment of $1,602 and then never paid again. The owner defaulted in December 1998 and occupied the house for the next 23 years, staving off eviction for that entire time. The house was actually foreclosed upon in the year 2000. Over the years, despite no longer owning the house, occupants were able to stave off eviction. The former owner filed four lawsuits and declared bankruptcy seven times. Each one of these actions pause the eviction process. Other people who declared themselves to be occupants of the house also declare bankruptcy during their stay in the home. Turns out that declaring bankruptcy in New York State is good enough reason to request a stay of eviction. One of the occupants of the house was killed in a car accident on the Long Island Expressway this past summer. Lawyers for the occupant's estate even argued that the dead man's estate should qualify for protection from eviction, even though legally Tenancy rights end when someone dies. The property changed several hands during those 23 years. The current owner, Diamond Ridge Capital, bought the home from Chase Bank in 2018 for 184000 The owners offered cash for keys. They offered $20,000 to the occupants for them to leave. Instead, the occupant filed for bankruptcy twice more. New York State is no stranger to regulations that favor tenants. Back when I was a teenager, my aunt owned a house located in Putnam Lake, that was on the border of the New York-Connecticut state border. She had rented the house to an Amtrak employee. This particular Amtrak employee actually was the former guitar player for the 1960s rock band called Grassroots, and this particular tenant was on a disability pension from the railway. My aunt left the house to stay with relatives in Queens, leaving me as a teenager to get my first experience as a landlord with a deadbeat tenant. Turns out that in New York State you can successfully argue that an eviction during the school year would be disruptive to the children, and therefore, the eviction proceedings can be paused for the entire school year. That creates a short window during the summer holidays when these evictions can be processed. We were eventually able to evict, but it took two years before we were able to regain possession of the property. The pandemic saw a national moratorium on evictions, in addition to the numerous state and local government actions to protect tenants. After numerous extensions, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the policy stating that the Center for Disease Control didn't have the power to affect real estate law. Current New York Governor Kathy Hochul ordered an extraordinary session of the state's legislature to address the eviction crisis, calling the Supreme Court's decision heartless. Governor Hochul took the governor's post after Governor Cuomo resigned amid sexual harassment allegations. Renters in New York will have protection from evictions at least until January 15, 2022, after the New York State Legislature voted to extend the existing state-level eviction moratorium. Landlords, though, now have the right to request a hearing in housing court to contest any tenant's claim of financial hardship that protected them from eviction. The Supreme Court had found that the previous policy, which allowed tenants to self-attest on a form that they faced financial hardship, was a potential violation of the landlord's right to due process. More than 8 million rental properties across the country are behind on payments of about are behind on rent by an average of $5,600 according to census data taken at the time of the census earlier this year. Nearly half of those rental properties are not owned by big corporations but instead by what the government classifies as small landlords, people who manage their own rentals and depend on them for basic income, and who are now trapped between tenants who can't pay or won't pay and their own mounting bills for insurance, mortgages, and property taxes. According to government estimates, a third of small landlords are at risk of bankruptcy or foreclosure as the pandemic continues well into its second year. The question is, how will these properties be dealt with? We keep hearing about the housing shortage. What will happen to these properties when the moratorium's over? Will they appear on the market? Where will the people go? Where will the money to cover the back rent come from? And when will the rental assistance that's been promised now for months and months actually get into landlords' hands? If smaller rental properties are your focus, now might actually be a time to start looking at distressed properties coming on the market. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.